Hello everyone and welcome back to Terry Talks Fiction. Sorry there, I was just trying to get the dust off this microphone. It seems like it's been a long time between episodes, but we finally made it to the last month in the year of our dog 2020. And as things are starting to feel a little closer to normal here in Geelong, Victoria, I've crawled back to the microphone to get to talking fiction once more. Because if nothing else, this year was a great one for science fiction, fantasy, basically anything that we could aggressively lose ourselves in to escape what's been going on all around us. I know I sure needed my books, TV, movies and video games this year. In fact, most of my time over the past few months, when getting through the day-to-day robbed me of my energy to sit down and write of an evening once the kids were in bed, has been inhaling every bit of fiction that I could through every delivery method available to me. So, in honour of that, and in celebration of finally making it to December, I'd like to officially bring the podcast back by going over some of the great science fiction and fantasy content that I escaped to this year. It's going to be far from an exhaustive list, but I hope that there'll be something in there you either recognise, or that you might like to check out yourself, to help you through this final surge and into the new year. And of course, this is just the beginning of the conversation. I want to hear what you've been reading, watching, gaming on, or listening to over these past few months as well. If you had to pick the one or two things that really helped you get through, what would they be? Did you get way into tigers, or the most aggressively armed babysitters in the universe? Did you spend your time running about as an Italian plumber, or did you trade your bag of fancy dice for an online random number generator and a Zoom link up? Let me know on the Facebook group or the Discord server. I'll link both in the show notes, and I'd love to highlight your stories in an episode this month as well, as part of the conversation. But today, I'd like to start by talking about books. And while most of my reading this year was actually unpublished, either through beta reading or assessing manuscripts, I still managed to get some time to read through a stack of books by a wide range of authors. It's actually a real shame I can't talk about some of those in-progress works, for obvious reasons, because honestly, some of the most exciting fiction I read this year, and definitely some of the easiest worlds to get lost in, were from those unpublished manuscripts. At the very least, it's clear that the year couldn't tear our creativity from us entirely, and there's some really exciting stuff to look forward to reading in the coming years. But as for what you can read now, Here are the top five published books that I read during 2020. Although not all of these books were new in 2020, they're the books that helped me the most through this year by providing me an escape when I sorely needed it. And if there's something here that sounds good, then it might just do the same for you as well. The first one of these I'd like to highlight isn't really one at all, actually. It's The Dominion Anthology, a book of 13 short stories and poetry edited by Zelda Knight and Agenachovwe Donald Ekpeki, and focuses on stories of and by the African diaspora. This is the first point in its favour. In a year that saw, amongst everything else, the cresting wave of the Black Lives Matter movement in America and across the globe, a lot of people, myself included, 
began to notice the gaps in their reading lists when it comes to diverse voices, particularly in genre fiction. Science fiction and fantasy has, for a very long time in the West at least, been associated with old white men, and very little else. Chances are that if you grew up reading science fiction and fantasy in the latter decades of the last century, as I did, you would have read little but, and even in the early aughts, it took the cultural phenomenon of Harry Potter to cement the idea that women could write fantasy in the general public consciousness. Regardless of their long pedigree in the field, stretching even as far back as the genre's roots with Mary Shelley, But even as fantasy began to accelerate towards female voices, classic European fantasy or modern white Western culture continued to dominate the settings. And in populist science fiction, any change there was basically indiscernible. What sets the Dominion anthology apart is that each of the contributing writers to this sequence of science fiction and fantasy short works are of African heritage, and the entire collection has a distinctly and unapologetic African feel. You simply don't get a lot of African fantasy or Afrofuturism at the front of the science fiction and fantasy space, not unless it's a single element, often cannibalised into a more, air quotes, traditional science fiction or fantasy setting. But these stories in the Dominion Anthology revel in their blackness, and the themes and experience that come with that, and it's refreshing and familiar in equal measure. These are just science fiction and fantasy stories like any other, but the sheer fact that this collection came out this year and refuses to be bound by the trappings of European medievalism or corporate American space exploration makes them memorable and unique in really important ways. But the representational aspect's not even the best part of this collection. The best part is that the stories in it are amazing. I read this in the early half of the year, and there's still not a week that goes by where I don't think of at least one of the stories I read in there. In particular, Nuzo Ono's just horrifying story, The Unclean, emotionally destroyed me while I was reading it, and I still get a thrill running up and down my spine when I revisit that story in my memory. Most often, when I'm alone and feeling vulnerable, which is just wonderful. But the other stories are equally powerful. Stories of old gods coming back to life, or new gods being born through lightning and technological fire. Time-travelling sorcerers rewriting colonialism, or a robot dog wanting to live without a master. Whether it's really engrossing fantasy, stunning science fiction, or absolutely transformative horror, it's all there in Dominion all incredibly written, and being a collection of short works, it leaves you slavering to read more from these authors, making it a great point of entry to chase down more incredible fiction. I highly, highly recommend that you give this a read as well. The second book that I want to highlight in this episode is not new. In fact, it's very old, and it's probably the most influential work that has kept the fantasy genre suspended in that space of European medievalism for a better part of a century. But it's still a goodie, and that is The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, this is a book that I used to sit down and read annually, along with The Lord of the Rings, all throughout high school and a little beyond, but I fell off that wagon, and by 2020 it had been almost a decade since I'd last picked it up. But when the kids' schools closed in the middle of the year, and we all had to adjust to homeschooling, we all needed something full of joy and wonder to end our days locked inside together. So, every night for nearly four months, the kids got into bed, 
and I sat down beside them and read a few pages of Bilbo's adventures with Gandalf and Thorin and his company of dwarves. And revisiting Bag End for the dwarven party, following Bilbo as he went from a fussy little well-to-do hobbit to a fully-fledged burglar that spawned a trillion D&D halfling characters, through spider-infested forests, past hungry trolls and goblins, wizardry and skin-changing dragonfire and the politics of greed, was just incredible. And it kind of helped wash away a little of the disappointment I'd had with the Hobbit movies as well, which was not a bad thing. And on top of that, the experience of haphazardly improvising a unique speaking voice for every character, except Gollum, there was nothing unique about the voice I butchered for that, it was incredibly fun. And it was not an experience I'd ever had before when I was reading the text silently to myself. And this book is written so simply, and so perfectly for a childlike audience, I also found it was a real simple matter to editorialise a little, or expand on the text that was there in order to accommodate how the kids were taking it at a moment-to-moment basis. It was super easy to reword or omit sections in Mirkwood for the five-year-old who was getting scared of the giant spiders, and months later, the kids are still howling with laughter any time they bring up the story of Bomber burning his bottom as Smaug destroyed the mountain. An addition entirely of my own, when I looked up from the description of Smaug's terrible anger to see just how horrified that was actually making them. Reading this story aloud just gave it a whole new lease of life for me personally, and it's been a shining memory in an otherwise kind of dark year that we'll all be able to look back on for years to come and remember nothing but joy. If, like me, this is a book you haven't read for a while, or that you've never read at all, then treat yourself. And even if you don't have kids to read aloud for, why not have a go at the voices? It's way more fun than it should be. But then, this year has really taught us that you've got to grab your joy wherever you can find it. Leaving fantasy behind for the next book I'd like to suggest is The Relentless Moon by Mary Robinette Cole. Now up front I have to admit that I absolutely love Mary Robinette Cole's Lady Astronaut series. From the award-winning short story that began the entire series, through to the books following the adventures of Dr. Elmer York, the eponymous Lady Astronaut, all the way to this standalone novel, comprised of all the second stringers in the series, told during the time in the second novel where Elmer was travelling to Mars and having her communications with the goings-on back home being strictly sanitised by NASA under the auspices of Mission Focus and Security. This setting made for a really good excuse to step into these months from another perspective and expand the series without actually losing time in the main characters' stories. But beyond the remarkable success of spinning an engaging tale out of series regulars who'd never stepped into the spotlight like this before, this was a book that was weirdly appropriate for 2020 in what must have been some completely unanticipable ways. What was probably supposed to be a book where the reader got invested in the central spy thriller vibe, ended up instead being weirdly relatable as we read through astronauts in a moon base being locked down and unable to leave their rooms due to a deadly out-of-control pandemic. And making the disease which was tearing through the close confines of the lunar station be the already staple in the series and period-accurate boogeyman of polio, only made the story more personally relatable to me, having grown up with a father who has polio. It's remarkable 
how familiar the protocols of disinfecting, social distancing, quarantine and lockdown on the station really seemed. And it's funny how pains were taken in the book to explain just how and why these measures, which must have seemed like they were going to be so unfamiliar and draconian to the reader when they were being written, are actually explained so effectively. And had this book released any other year, we might have really needed that context. Instead, I found myself just nodding along the moment these measures were suggested in the novel, because we've all spent the last year living under these conditions as well. And given our extreme and unexpected intimacy with these measures, they hold up really, really well in this novel, and they make the story incredibly engaging. It is a really hard task taking characters which are unused to the spotlight of a series and then tasking them with supporting an engaging narrative all of their own. So often when I hit installments like this in the midst of a series I really enjoy, I find those books to be a chore, an unwelcome diversion from the story that I wanted to read with the characters I actually wanted to see. But this was a wonderful story in the Lady Astronaut universe that absolutely didn't suffer when it expanded beyond the world of its regular protagonist. If you've got even a passing interest in the real-world science of space exploration, then this alternate history fiction that uses it so, so well is an absolute must-read for 2020. And moving from an extreme juggernaut of Tor Press to a small press, the next book I'd like to highlight is Smoke and Rain by V.S. Holmes. Smoke and Rain, or to give it its full title, Blood of Titans Reforged, book one, Smoke and Rain, is one of those late-to-the-party books that I read in 2020. The book originally came out in 2015, but given that it's the first in a four-book series which concluded in March this year with the publication of Blood and Mercy, <clears throat> I mean Blood of Titans Restored, book four, Blood and Mercy, this is a good year to get into and finish the entire series, starting with this book. What really spoke to me about this quadrilogy, and Smoke and Rain in particular, is how it weaves in fresh and exciting approaches to fantasy with the established genre staples. Often, the trope you think you're seeing set up before your eyes ends up being elegantly subverted, and this leads the central characters down some fascinating narrative paths as the series goes on and shifts between the two books of the Blood of Titans Reforged arc and the two books of the Blood of Titans Restored arc. One of these major themes that was so terribly, terribly exciting to see in a genre that so often just stalls on the same characters over and over again, never letting them enjoy any long-term success from their sacrifices and suffering, or to see any real-world progress over time as book after book is written, was the generational aspect of the storytelling, and the feeling that those earlier acts of the series did have genuine and tangible effects on the world in the long term, and weren't just undone by the next villain to come along who had to raise the stakes. Like I said, I felt that these themes really hit with the first book in particular. And honestly, I did feel that as the series progressed, it swung a little back towards those tried-and-true staples, rather than being the genre-defining differences of the first book which was a tad disappointing overall, but honestly is a minor quibble about a series that was thoroughly engaging from start to finish. 
and it's certainly not to say that the latter books become overly predictable or anything because of those narrative choices. There are some really weighty themes which are explored brilliantly through the characters and give enough genuine narrative surprise to keep you excited as the chapters and the novels roll by. So if you're into a fresh and modern take on the fantasy genre, Smoke and Rain is a really good, interesting fantasy, and it's a great place to start for a series that you might just come to love. Closing off my list for 2020 fiction favourites, Books Edition was another fantasy, and this is the concluding act to Trudy Canavan's superb Millennium Rule series, Maker's Curse. Canavan has been one of my favourite fantasy writers since I was a teen and first introduced to her Black Magician series. I love her fiction so much, in fact, that breaking down the way she constructs her magic systems was a big part of my thesis on world-building techniques in fantasy and science fiction. And this book has that same incredible approach to world-building and systems in spades. It's a great way to close out the series with one of my favourite magic systems of all time, where art and creativity produce magic as a kind of natural resource, which can be gathered up by those born with the talent to do so. This final book of the series takes us back to where it all began, to two planets so strip-mined by sorcerers that they barely have enough magic to function. There's something really cathartic about seeing the central protagonists return to the places they left in book one, but coming back as these ascendant, impossibly powerful sorcerers, bringing reckoning with them for all the characters that are making their birth societies hell. And perhaps the utter delight of watching them absolutely demolished the small thinking ruling class who are desperately destroying their planets so they can hold on to power for a few more years is made just all the better because of the year we've had. But let me tell you, it feels really damn good. Get into this series for the absolutely superb magic system and read through the excellent character development up to this concluding act then just let yourself get lost in the majesty of what we all wish we could have done to our own political establishments this year. Don't even worry about the fact that the antagonist for this book comes from nowhere, is barely developed, and then hardly a road bump before being summarily destroyed, because that's not what this book is about. It is one big, cathartic resolution to everything you wanted for the central characters since the moment you fell in love with them in the first book of the series, Thief's Magic, back in 2015. And on that note, I'm going to turn the conversation over to you. How many of the books that made my list also got onto your reading list this year? Or is there something here that tickles your fancy and you might like to head off and try? I'd love to hear your thoughts either way. As mentioned at the top of the show, you can drop into the Talking Fiction Discord server and follow up on the episode there, or you can head over to Facebook or even grab me on Twitter to plug your favourite reads of the year or gush over what we loved in the books we all read and good-naturedly whinge about what we would have liked to be different. Next week, I'm going to talk a bit more about the movies and the TV that grabbed me when I was too brain-dead to concentrate on the written page. Let me know if you've got something to add there as well. Otherwise, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye.